Hello and welcome to another episode of the How to Scale a Business podcast. This is Hector Santi Esteban, and I am your host for today. We're here with Dorit Perry, and we're going to talk about, well, if you're an individual, how you can elevate yourself, whether it's internally as an entrepreneur or you know, elevate yourself as an entrepreneur, or if you are a, a company, how you can start to identify some of these people who can actually grow and, and perhaps scale your business. So Dorit, thank you for, for spending some time with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I, I'm I'm unsure where the conversation is going to go because I think that people are such, at least for me, such an enigma. And especially when you do it at scale and you've got a whole organization, it's like it's a whole black box that, frankly, I'm still working on every day to decode. So hopefully you can help us to understand both from an individual perspective how businesses might be looking at at. At employees, but then also as a as a as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, how we can start to really, and I don't even like the word leverage because it sounds very impersonal, but how we can start to empower our people, you know, to start creating the the business results that we want. So, anyways, all that to say, Dari, I'd love for you to give us a little bit of background, some experience, kind of what you've been doing and mm-hmm. how you got here, and then also catch us up a little bit about what you do with your clients right now. Sure. So again, my name is Dorit and my business offer is a high level intimate coaching program for people who want to break into a six figure career in tech without going back to school. So I've primarily worked with educators, but not exclusively. And my program is, you know, open to people of different backgrounds. I come from an education background partially. So That's one of the reasons I decided to focus on that group. I call my program a hybrid coaching program because some elements of it are scaled and I'm very happy about that, but others I still deliver one-to-one. I do service delivery. So I've, I found that to be the best method for me for now. And I'm also, I, I heard you say entrepreneur. I use the word solopreneur. Happy to hear the difference from your perspective, but I am a one woman show, so to speak. Yeah. What What's interesting is that I think that there's a lot of parallels to what you're talking about in terms of jumping into a career and then also starting a you know starting a business or starting. I mean, the the idea of kind of doing something new and different. I think there are a lot of parallels. So I'm I'm curious to hear you know how someone might prepare themselves or go about that because I think so much of, of the the scaling part of a business is the is the starting. If you can get started the right way and build the foundation, then the scaling mm-hmm. part you know, becomes a lot more accessible. To your point on the second part, when I said entrepreneur, I found that there is a growing number of technically employees, they're W-2 employees, but they're given the let's say responsibilities of a of what would typically be an entrepreneur or they're given the the freedoms and the capabilities mm-hmm. to problem solve or or have you know you know create programs or whatever it is within the context of of a larger company and so i think that there's there's just a lot more people listening to podcasts like these because those larger corporations are trying to be more nimble and they're trying to be more you know, fast thinking. So in any, in any case, I'd love to know, you know, when you're coming in and, and whether it's working with a company or working with individuals, what are like the stark realities that you find yourself like smacking your head against? I think that what, what's great about individuals like you is you have you know, a depth of experience and you've seen a lot of people go through similar situations and you can start to see trends and you, you can start to see things that 
that happen more frequently than others. Are, th are there some of those things that come up that you find that if someone could just figure this part out, that the rest of the process gets a lot easier? Well, I think any good offer, any good foundation has to be an offer that is desirable to the market, right? If I'm trying to sell jelly beans to, I don't know, a kid who has a lifetime supply of jelly beans, I might not get very far. So I would say, you know, I, I worked with a number of business coaches myself to build my business over time and to iterate my business. I don't have the same offer now that I had, you know, five, six years ago when I began. So kind of building, building a really solid foundation of I have an offer, I have a solution for a market that has a specific problem has just really served me well. When I began this, you know, working with teachers initially, it was generally just a transition out of teaching. I didn't have a tech focus. That didn't come about till the start of the pandemic. But when I started ideating this 2017, 18, and then working with clients 2019, there was barely anybody on the market doing this. Uh, then the pandemic hit. And as you may have heard, you know, a lot of educators started to flee in mass and they were already fleeing in mass. I was one of them. I, I used to be a high school teacher. I was one of my many, many lives that I've had. So I, I noticed what happened sort of as a pandemic unfolded and into today is a lot more people popped up with offers similar to mine. And so it's interesting because I've been like, okay, now I'm not the only one on the market doing this. There's other people doing this. Do I stick this out? And I keep coming back to sticking it out and just kind of embracing, trying to embrace the changes that are happening in the market, in the tech market, in the business landscape of, you know, the people that I serve. And it's continued to work out, so to speak. So I think to answer your initial question, there's got it. You have to have a good offer. You have to have a good offer for people to buy. T take me to that point of decision, though. Take me to what it was like when you were, I don't know if it was a pivot necessarily, but it might have been a a a repositioning or, or, or I, I don't know, there was, there was a, a change and... What were you, what was that like? Kind of walk us through what, what, what you were doing or considering or how that came about. Sure. So I had been working with clients initially to, to leave the classroom. Again, since then kind of opened up my offer to, to other kinds of people outside of educators. But, you know, it was so broad, even though transition out of teaching kind of was specific I had clients at that time who went in wildly different directions. I had somebody become a comic book artist, which is awesome. I had another person become a data strategist. So wildly different things. Somebody went into recruiting. And I, I think I felt, you know, at that point, my offer was, was partially emotional. Like teachers leaving teaching can be a very loaded, challenging thing for people, for educators who are considering this. So Part of my offer was helping them to untangle their identity from that of teaching. And it was, it had sort of the psychological element. So I had some nice results, but I wanted my results to be better. I wanted my clients to have more specific outcomes. I wanted them to be financially viable. And I think I wanted to take the burden a little bit off of me in terms of working from this psychological aspect of like, it's okay to change your mind. You know, other people and other professions do this. It's just that teaching has all these other layers on top of it 
that often bog people down and make it difficult to make a change. So I was working with a coach. This is my sort of second business coach in my line of coaches that I've worked with. And again, the pandemic, you know, March 2020, it was around that time. And one of the reasons that I built this business, because I've, I've done a lot of things and lived in a lot of places, and this has sort of come out of my own life experience and what I've been through and, and how I've been able to adapt, but also just wanting to be able to work remotely. And I thought, because I, you know, a lot of my friends are in California, I was in Miami via, you know, New York City, just I have family all over, I wanted to be remote. And I had been introduced to that idea at a software company that I was working for in Brooklyn for about four years. So then working with my coach, we thought, well, if I want to be remote, probably other teachers, educators want to be remote. How does somebody work remotely? Well, a lot of software companies have that um, possibility, even pre-pandemic, right? Like I, I was able to work from home sometimes when I worked at the software company in Brooklyn, and it just blew my mind because as a teacher, you have to be physically present all day, every day, or really things go nuts, and then your your workload honestly increases. It's very hard to take time off to go to the doctor, to take your kids somewhere, whatever. So we kind of worked out this offer of helping people to get remote jobs really, you know, I say sort of break into tech, but what I'm talking about is working remotely for a software company. And I have people who are working in roles that are kind of across the board. Some are more technical than others, but I think one of the exciting things that keeps me interested in going is like, I help people figure out what's next for them. You know, I don't have a cookie cutter. I have a structure people follow, but I work with them individually to figure out what makes sense for them next. So this pivot here, what's interesting is that let's, for lack of needing to define the the exact term, let, let's call it pivot for, for this context. It was less about changing your offer and it was more about kind of changing your avatar almost and where where <laughs> they were. Right? Is that kind of what I'm saying? Well, I feel like I niched down into a specific outcome. So I was no longer going to work with people who were thinking about becoming a comic book artist necessarily. And this person, I, I use her as an example, but she didn't know that when we started working together. That just came through our work together. I, I call it an iteration, really. It, it was an iteration of a business that maybe not quite a pivot, but like a niching down into like seeing the writing on the wall. Teachers would love, people would love the opportunity to be remote if they could potentially, not everybody, it's not for everybody, but like not having to be physically someplace, you know, being able to work from the comfort of one's home. I discovered that a lot of teachers really love that. Not everybody did. So I would say it was like a funneling down into a more specific outcome where I could tie like a, a financial piece to it and I could have more specific results for my clients. Mm. Um, and I had, I was able to remove some of the psychology of it and just really find people who were like, not, not that it would be easy necessarily for them mentally to disengage, but they, they knew like, Hey, they discovered they liked working with ed tech tools during the pandemic. They discovered that they love not having to do that commute to work. Maybe they live in cities. I get a lot of weather, you know, like all kinds of things are happening. 
Um, or maybe they're considering a life change or they're, you know, maybe they're engaged or they want to move across the country. Being able to work remotely lets a lot of doors open up for my clients, I found, that wouldn't have been available to them if they had continued on their current path. Right. And so it, it almost seems that like if you were prospecting, you know, in terms of their journey or it seems like you at, at the beginning, you were looking for people and you were willing to take them at, at the beginning of their journey, regardless of what the outcome was. And instead you said, here's here's where I can help you get if you want to if you want to get here, I'm the person that's there. Mm-hmm. And, and can... like, like you said, that it's a, an iteration, not really a pivot. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like a, a light pivot, like, like an iteration, like my business has evolved even within my current offer of helping people break into a six figure career in tech without going back to school. I've scaled it, you know, in different phases to get to where I am now. I used to do a lot more one-to-one and then I discovered that my work-life balance was suffering. Here I was working so hard to help my clients have some some of this quality of life. And I was working, you know, because I'm on the East Coast. Say I have a client on the West Coast and say I have all these meetings that we've set up for me to help them through this process, which was my very initial offer when I started, you know, in 17, 18. So let's see. So I think I just lost my train of thought, sadly, because I felt like I was on a roll. (laughs) So even within this offer, I've changed it. Because I was like, I need to have, I need to keep this business sustainable for myself over time. Like, I know I'm good at it. I've created a great niche for myself. My clients have awesome results. I've built a great community of, of educators and some non-educators as well who really kind of pay it forward and help each other out. So it's becoming more of a self-sustaining system in some ways. And so in that, in some ways the burden on me is a little less because of that too. So kind of all, all good things, but still, you know, I feel like someone who is say a solopreneur, I'll speak for my category. They have to keep their eye on the market. Things change, you know, even in my work, as I mentioned, more people have come onto the scene doing this work. I used to get like hate emails, you know, like, why are you doing this? Like, who do you kind of, who do you think you are? Kind of the blasphemy of my idea was really troublesome to some people. It wasn't a lot, but it was some. And then I still to this day get like, oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Well, guess what? I, I made it a thing. Like you can make a thing too, you know, like kind of urging people to think outside of the box and invent something or try something. And that's okay. Right. And that's actually really good and exciting. I think. Yeah. This is such a great conversation. I know before we were talking, we were wondering like, where do we go? What, how do we do this? And I think that your story really is so applicable to, to every business owner because we're not going to be selling your services, but we're all trying to figure out how do we better serve our our people in a, in a way that you know serves our business too. And so when we when we get back from break, I'm curious if there are habits, rituals, values, you know, some of the things that you yeah. take into your da- daily kind of for for yourself, or you know, things that you encourage your clients to take into their day to day to kind of level up in those things. And so we're going to get into that right after this quick break. Great. 
Hey, y'all, thanks for tuning in today. Today's episode is brought to you by Amplify Media, and we're a podcast production company, but we like to think of ourselves as genius makers. And so if you have a passion, a purpose, a mission, a message, something that you want to get out to the world, but don't have the time or the tech skills to be able to do it, we can help. Go to amplifymedia.com. That's A-M-P-L-A-F-Y media.com, or you can check the show notes. For Let's get back to the episode. Okay, Dorit. So we we talked a little bit about before some of the tactics, but but on break, I think that we we stumbled upon something that might be a little bit more mm, impactful. And you had t- mentioned before break how you were able to kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, remove yourself from having to do these one to one calls, or you were able to free up your schedule. On the break, you were talking about how you know your your day to day has become a lot more flexible and a lot more fluid because of the things that you've done to you know really scale your output without needing to input as much time. So, talk to us about that process because it seems like now you know you're not you're not spending all of that time on those one-on-one calls, you know, your, your work-life balance isn't, you know, suffering as, as it was. So talk to Mm -hmm. us about what that journey was like. Yeah, it's something I'm really proud of. And it it certainly took some time. So again, as I mentioned at the start, I call my program a hybrid. So I do have an LMS, a learning management system, where I've created a lot of videos and shared resources that pertain to the structure of my program. I have a five-step program that people that people work through and it provides a structure and kind of a just a foundation for people going into this kind of big scary change so i have these videos it's kind of like i have them do a bunch of work on their own before they really come to me i still offer about half a dozen one-to-ones i used to offer a lot more and i just discovered over time that I actually don't need that many one-to-ones. And in fact, sometimes we didn't know how to fill the time as effectively as I might've liked us to. So, you know, sometimes we're, when you only have like an X amount of time to get things done, so you do it, or at least that's the case for me, you know, deadlines are helpful. The way I sort of, I have them do this preliminary work, then they come to talk to me and we look at their resume and their LinkedIn and sort of make make the necessary changes and really bring out the value that they're offering and then kind of make the appropriate changes on LinkedIn that it's just, I feel like it's much more effective to put more of the onus on them, to be honest. And then they come to me when they've done the preliminary work that that I've asked them to. I would say the second part of it is that my program, you know, has such a good group of people, empathic, smart, generous, caring, you know, teachers, right? And they're really ready to help, help the new people who join, you know, they refer each other, they do networking calls with each other, they bring each other into their companies, like a lot of exciting stuff is happening as my program has grown. Now that's just taken time and results, you know, to kind of, again, make it this this almost, I don't know if it's self-sustaining, but it's kind of its own ecosystem. So the value I see is, is generally just expanding exponentially. Every time one person gets a job or they job hop, now they're in a six-figure, you know, they have a six-figure salary, say within 12 months of leaving teaching or whatever it is, that kind of empowers other people to believe they can do it too. Um, people tend to want to pay it forward because people help them. 
So between, you know, creating these existing resources that take some of the burden off of me, put it on them. And then just this community that is just vital and growing, those two things together have really freed up a lot for me. The, the other thing that's happened, and this is something that I worked out with my most recent coach. So I keep investing in myself and my business because again, I change the market changes, you know, pandemic happens, like, you know, it all keeps, it all keeps changing. I now have an application form for people to fill out before they can speak with me about the program. So I used to speak with everybody and that was part of what burned me out. I actually tallied the numbers and I spoken with, you know, over a thousand teachers on a zoom call one-to-one around the world. And it's, it's crazy, right? That's just a lot. And that was one of the things that I had to, to figure out for myself to keep the business sustainable for me over time. Cause you can imagine a lot of disappointments, right? Like here I am really, you know, I've got a lot to offer. I'm trying to help, but there are all kinds of barriers out there for people to join an intimate high level coaching program. So now I've figured out like, what do I need to know before I get on a phone call with them? And that's just something I figured out that works for me. I know that makes it so I'm not accessible to everybody, but there are other programs out there that are more accessible for people. And I've never felt like I had to be everything for everybody. I just had to be kind of me helping in the way that I know how and kind of making a sustainable life for myself. So this has worked for me and for the foreseeable future, I see it continuing to work. It really has freed up a lot of time for me. So I can put that time towards other things, whether it's personal, whether, you know, I'm in the process of building more relationships with employers out there who might want to hire my folks for me. I started to serve in a recruiting capacity at times for one company. I have three clients there. Um, I'm looking for more of that, you know, to kind of build that arm of my business too. So then the offer just becomes insanely valuable, right? I'll help you transition. And I, I might even have a place you can land. Now, everything takes time. And I'm not in control of everything. And I get that. And I'm okay with that. But I feel like as long as I'm in the game and getting up every day to meet the challenges and, and do things and push forward, it just, it, it will happen for me, if that makes sense. Yeah. This is such a, <clears throat> such great insight. And I think that there's so much wisdom that comes from being able to, you know, from you sharing how you extracted the value that you would have to do on a one-on-one -on -one call and put it into exercises or empowered a community to kind of, you know, take up, take up the, that, that responsibility or take up that opportunity, if you will, for you so that it's still, still happening. Mm -hmm. Dorit, this has been such a fantastic conversation. I'm I'm sad that we are going to have to wrap this up. We're we're going to have to have you come back, or or you're going to have to start your own show. I don't know something, but there's a lot of value here, and and I appreciate that. I have one more question for you, but before that, where can people go to get connected or follow up with you if they want to get more from, go deeper into your world? Sure. So my main social media that I use to talk about my business, share results, and kind of just interact with people is LinkedIn. I am also on Instagram, but it's peripheral. I'm a little bit of a minimalist. So I, you know, that doesn't always serve me, but you know, I make my choices and I'm okay with them. So LinkedIn, so it's Dorit Perry, D-O-R-I-T-P-E-R-R-Y. 
My website is dorietperry.com. And there's just a few pages in there. You can read a little bit about the benefits of what you'll get out of the program. There's some video testimonials, you know, text testimonials, names of companies my clients have landed at. It's very much still under construction. It is not the best (laughs) website, but it is functional and it does the job for now. So that's a great place. You can also apply for a call there to speak with me. And my last question, Dorit, is... In your opinion, what is the secret to growing or scaling a business? Well, automating processes is, I think, kind of a a tried and true answer. And it really did help me a lot. You know, I, before I say started using Calendly to schedule my calls, I was like, oh, how's Tuesday at two Eastern? Like it was a complete mess. So I definitely think that, you know, integrating those automated processes, it's a no brainer, actually, right? So that's really important. I I think that my concern about fully automating everything is if I did that, I would have to change sort of the structure, it wouldn't be an intimate high level coaching program, it would be like, you never really talk to me or there's, there's value in that kind of program It's just not what I'm looking to offer. So I think just I would say, For me, it's always been about, can I get results for my clients? Can I help them get results? Is the quality of my program strong? And I, before I make any decision about automating something, I always do that kind of check with myself just, just to keep my own integrity and, you know, sense of purpose really, really strong. Now I could probably loosen up a little bit. That's the truth, but I think the videos too that I did, you know, I, I resisted doing them for a long time because, you know, the whole idea of perfection, it's, you know, first of all, not a great idea. I think, is it good enough for now is a, is a better question to ask. So my videos are not perfect, but they do a pretty good job and my clients still get to where they need to be. Mm-hmm. So maybe yeah. adopting more of the, it doesn't have to be perfect yeah. approach. Great insight here, Dorit. We appreciate the the insights, the wisdom, the perspective. And you listeners, I want to thank y'all for sticking around today. If you guys, if y'all got any value out of today, I would love and we'd be forever grateful for a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. If you know someone who is in the midst of scaling their business or thinking about starting one, I'd love to send, we'd love for you to send this episode of Dorit to them. And I'd encourage you to take action on something, find something to implement reach out to me or Dorit. Let us know how it goes. We'd love to hear about your successes as well. And thanks as always for being a part of the How to Scale a Business tribe. We appreciate you. We'll see you on the next one. Later, y'all.